Amen. Thank you, guys. It's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, we are in uh, our Epiphany series, which if you grew up in the church, you may be familiar with the different seasons in the church year, just like we have seasons kind of in our uh, everyday life with the, the weather and, and such. Um, the church has seasons. The church has a rhythm um, to the, the calendar year, and it begins uh, actually back in like early December, late November with Advent and the preparation for the coming of Jesus, and then there's Christmas, which we just celebrated, and now we're in the season of Epiphany, which really is a time where the church remembers and focuses upon um, Jesus revealing who He is, Jesus showing to, to not just the people in His day, but to all followers of Jesus and all people even to now about His mission, His purpose, but also He's revealing about who we are and our mission, and our purpose, and our, our way in this world of, of being followers and disciples of Jesus. And, and so, we, we're kind of following Him in, in some of the stories in the Gospel of Matthew, seeing what Jesus will reveal to us, what He will show us about Him, about our world, and about us. And this Sunday, we look at, at the temptation of Jesus, is what it's called, uh, in Matthew chapter 4. And as we look at this kind of strange and a weird story of, of Jesus versus Satan, Jesus versus the devil, uh, we see him reveal a, a handful of things. We see Jesus kind of reveal a, kind of a, a central reality of the Christian life. He reveals to us kind of the, the scheme of the enemy, and ultimately Jesus reveals to us what his primary uh, purpose is, his primary uh, way of, of operating in this world. So first, Jesus reveals to us in this story in Matthew chapter 4, a central fact of the Christian life. Uh, maybe you've been taught this, uh, or maybe you've kind of thought it to yourself from time to time, but there's this belief out there in our world that, that when you become a Christian, life is supposed to get, get easier, supposed to get better. Everything's supposed to be kind of like on the up and up. And and maybe you've been a Christian for some time and you've wondered to yourself, that's not how it, it really works in my life. I don't know about other people's. Uh, but sometimes we kind of can give the impression that, listen, we have faith in Jesus and so everything is just smiles and rainbows. And, and again, if you've been a Christian for some time, you may have come to this reality that like, man, it, it's not that. That sometimes, because of my faith in Jesus, some things get more difficult some things get harder, that, that somehow, like, things don't seem to work the way they should. Sure, there is, there is hope, there is joy, there is peace, that, that as we lean into Jesus, as we follow Him, He pours that into us, but, but if we look at our life circumstances, if we look at kind of the externals of our life, oftentimes, things don't get better, sometimes they can get worse. And I think the temptation of Jesus helps us kind of process that and helps us with our expectations. Because at the beginning of chapter 4, it says this in verse 1. It says that, and then, kind of after this took place, which if you kind of look immediately before this, and last week we talked about this, Jesus was just baptized by John the Baptist, and, and there's this booming voice from heaven, from God the Father, declaring that Jesus is indeed God's Son, and then the Holy Spirit descends on Him, and, and you see the dove come down, and it's this mountaintop 
beautiful experience of Jesus being revealed to the world that He really is the Son of God, that He is the Savior, Messiah that has been long promised. It's an amazing moment. And then Matthew immediately pivots in chapter 4 and says, and then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. See, I, I think as we focus on this, it reminds us of this central truth that for Christians, trials and temptations are an inescapable reality. You can't avoid them. Now, here's the thing. Even for non-Christians, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have trials, you have temptations in your life. But here's the thing that for, for you as a Christian, if you're here and you follow Jesus, you actually, I think, will have more temptations because you will become more aware of, of the different things that are pulling at you, the different things that are coming at you in your life. And it's helpful for us to know this because this is a reality of the Christian life. That when you were baptized, the same thing that was said to Jesus, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Believe it or not, when you were baptized, whether as an infant or older, God the Father said the same thing about you. You are my son, you are my daughter, in you I am well pleased. Not because you are amazing, but because you are in my son Jesus, and he's won it all for you. I love you, I've claimed you, I've brought you into my family. That is who you are. But at the very same time, you now have a target on your back. Because God has an enemy, and he wants nothing more than to convince God's children to leave his family. You are forever in the hands of God. He claimed you. He has you. He will never let go of you. But the enemy will try and come to you and say, maybe you should should get out of his hands. He doesn't really know what he's doing. You should go over to somebody else's hands. Or rather, you, you, you have hands your own. You can, you can hold yourself up. And the enemy comes to us and tries to lead us away from God. That that is a fundamental reality of the Christian life. And so if, you, if you're here today and you're like, man, Pastor Andy, I believe in Jesus. I trust in him. But I still got a lot of problems and struggles and trials, and I feel like I'm, I'm tempted with so many things here's where I let you know. You aren't doing anything wrong. Or at least you, you aren't doing anything wrong to bring those upon you. That that's just a reality of, of what it means to be a Christian in this world. And I think there's some good news in that, is that you aren't alone. That you aren't doing something that is pushing God away from you. But this is just a reality of our life. Because if it happened to Jesus... It's going to happen to us. So that's the first thing. We see that a central part of the Christian life is, is dealing with temptations, dealing with trials, and we can't escape them. It will come upon us. But, but then Jesus shows us, um, here is what our enemy will try and do. Like, Satan is not that smart. He's smarter than us. He's smarter than you and me, but, but he's really not all that smart, which there's something about us in that too. Um, 
But he kind of he shows his hand against Jesus. He kind of shows, like, here's how he's going to try and attack Jesus and also what he's going to try and do to you and me in our everyday life. And he goes after Jesus in three kind of big temptations. First, he comes to Jesus in, in verses 2 through 4, and he says this. It says that, that Jesus was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He wasn't eating or drinking, and so he was hungry. Makes sense. And then the tempter, that is Satan, came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, we look at this temptation of Satan, and you may think, so is Jesus a contestant on Top Chef or something? Like, what is going on? Is he just like, hey, make your best dish of food, Jesus? It's really not what he's being tempted with. What Jesus is being tempted with is this. Satan is coming to Jesus and say, you say you're the Son of God. Prove it by providing for yourself. Prove who you are by earning it, by using your own effort and your own work to prove your identity. And he puts that in front of Jesus and says, hey, if you really are the Son of God, then you'll, you'll work at it. You'll prove by the effort of your hands that that is who you really are. And here's the thing, friends. We're tempted with the same thing. Sure, we may not be tempted to turn like rocks into loaves of bread, but we're tempted to, to prove who we are by what we do. We're tempted to, to not simply hear the word that God has already said about you. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are beloved. You are in my family. We don't simply take and hear that and believe it. No, we, we try and earn our name. We try and work and craft our identity in this world by, by the work of our hands, by the, the reputation that we have with other people, by the opinion of other people, by the achievements we get, by the experiences we go on. You name it, we can do all of these things, and what we're trying to do is trying to craft our identity and prove who we are when all along it was already given to us. It's already given to you. God has already named you. He's already identified who you really are, but, but the lie comes in and says, no, you just got to work that much harder. You got to reach that level of success. You got to earn that reputation. You got to get that achievement. You got to have these possessions. And we do all of these things in our life trying to prove ourselves when all along, God has already claimed us. You know, there's a reason why when, when they ask people when they're nearing the end of their life, they ask, what's your biggest regret? And across the board, uh, male, female, no matter the age, no matter their background, one of the number one things they say is this, I wish I hadn't worked so much. And I think because there's that drive in us that we see our efforts, we see the things we do, trying to prove who we are when God's already claimed us. And so Satan tries to tempt Jesus to disregard what God has said. But what does Jesus say? No. 
Man does not live on bread alone. Man does not live on trying to prove himself, but rather by trusting in the word of God and what my heavenly father has said about me. That's what I trust in. So then Satan is like, all right, 0 for 1. Tries another tactic. Temptation 2 Satan goes up to Jesus and then says this, Then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So Satan is like, all right, got to try this again. Jesus obviously knows his Old Testament scriptures, so Satan actually then throws scripture at him. And says, all right, if you really are who you say you are, if you are going to say you're the son of God, well, you know what? Here's what it says. It says that, that if you were to fall off of this cliff, God will protect you. God will lift you up. He has all of this host and angels that will, that will make sure you won't get hurt. So he says, jump off, Jesus. Let's see God do it. And it's like, what, what is he tempting him with? And really, what, what Satan was tempting Jesus with is this, that rather than trusting God, he wants him to test God. Rather than trusting that God will, will provide, will take care of him, will be with him, he says, put God to the test. And again, if we think about our life, we are faced with that same temptation so often. That when we're facing difficulties in life, it's easy for us to, to kind of point the finger at God and say, God, if you really love me, you'll take care of this. God, if you say that you're actually going to be my, my heavenly Father and provide and, and you're there for me, then, then you'll do that for me. You'll remove this, this diagnosis from me. You'll give me this. You'll fix this relationship. And we kind of demand the terms and we put it on God and we point the finger at him and say, God, you need to act in this way. And if he doesn't, well, then we say, I've had enough of you. I'm done with this. We kind of treat God like our, our cable and internet providers where we kind of have terms of agreement. You will fulfill your end of the deal, God. But the thing is, we don't simply hear what he promises. We add to it and we put things on God from our own lives. And when he doesn't do it the way we want or the way we expect, we kind of say, well, this contract is null and void. I'll go and find somebody else that will do what I want them to do that will provide what I want them to provide. And we put God to the test. And so Satan comes to Jesus, and he tries to tempt him with that, but what does Jesus do? He says, no, no, no. I trust my Father. And I don't need to make him prove it. I don't need to put this on him. I will simply trust in him that no matter what happens, he will be with me, he will take care of me, he will uplift me, and I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm going to trust him. I will not put him to the test. Oh, for 2. So then Satan tries one more. He's got one more trick up his, up his sleeve. Comes to Jesus and says this. Again, and he said this. He took him to a very high mountain and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And, and, the Satan, and Satan said to Jesus, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. 
Now, this is kind of one of those that I think a lot of people are like, what exactly is Jesus being tempted with? Because Satan is coming to the Son of God, God himself, and he's basically offering to him what is already his. Like, if you think about it, he's like, Jesus, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kings of the world. Um, but here's the thing, Jesus already kind of is the king of the world. So it's like, what exactly is he being tempted with? And, and he's being tempted with this. Jesus is not only fully God, but he's fully human. He feels the things you feel. He has the same temptations that you and I face. And here's what Satan is coming to Jesus and saying, listen, Jesus, you can have all of the glory without going on the journey. You can have all of the glory without going on the journey. And what was the journey that was before Jesus? He knew that his journey was going to be filled with with teaching and proclaiming God's kingdom to people who would abuse him. That he would gather friends around him who would all turn their back on him that he would be unjustly tried and murdered on a cross. And Jesus knew that that was the journey ahead of him. And so he hears this, this temptation that you can have the glory, you can have all the power, and you don't have to go through the pain. You don't have to go through the suffering. And I think that this was probably the most tempting of all the ones that were before Jesus. And you want to know why I think that? Because it's the most tempting to me. And it's the most tempting to you. See, we, we want the, the success. We want to reach the destination. And if we can do it without going through difficulties and hardships and trials, how many of us are like, yep, sign me up for that? How many of us in our everyday life, when we're faced with, with the choice of, if I know that this is where I need to go, but it's going to be painful and hard, and we're given a way out, we take the way out. See, this is tempting to Jesus because it's tempting to us. The life of following Jesus is not easy. Like, just think about the things he asks of us. He says, you have enemies, and I want you to love them. I don't know about you, enemies and jerks are really hard to love. And Jesus says, I want you to love them. And I want you to, to not retaliate against them. Uh, Jesus says, I want you to, to sacrifice and to be generous to my work and to the people around you. And I don't know about you, but, but when things get tight, when things get difficult, that is not something that we, we are prone to do. That is not something that we want to do. That is a difficult thing because we, we need to take care of ourselves. And so to sacrifice and to give it's an incredibly hard thing to do. The things Jesus asks of us are difficult and painful. And if we're given the option, we take the easy way out. We want the glory without the journey. But what does Jesus say? He says, no, I will not take the easy way out even though it means suffering and pain and death. He says, this is my path, and I will not turn away. So what does this show us about 
who he really is. Like it shows us that, that we'll face temptations, it shows us kind of the playbook of, of the enemy that he tries to tempt us in all these ways, but really this shows us is who Jesus is in our lives. And so who does it show us who Jesus is? Well, I'll tell you this, and, and you're going to be like, how is this related? Hopefully I'll circle you back in. Um, so we have a washing machine um, in our house that we hate. Just ask my wife, and it's like, she hates it, I hate it, we want to get rid of it. Uh, but we're not at that point yet, so we use it. Um, it keeps breaking down. I am not a handy person. If you know anything about me, I am not a handy person. And since we've become homeowners, here's the thing you realize. There's no landlord to just kick it up to and be like, hey, can you take care of this? You're the landlord. Like, you're the one. Either you figure it out or you got to pay somebody else to come and figure it out. Um, but either way, it's on you. And here's what's so incredible. YouTube has so many wonderful videos. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. If you have a problem, if you have like a problem with an appliance or your car or like anything, you got any sort of problem, you just go to YouTube. They got a search bar and you can just type in, no matter how specific it is, what I guarantee you is there's at least one other person that's like, yeah, I've had that same problem. And then you're listening to, to, this, to this guy or this girl kind of show like, hey, here's how you fix the thing. And here's the thing, our washing machine, which keeps malfunctioning, keeps breaking a little bit, I get to go to that and be like, wow, okay, I can do that. I mean, it keeps breaking down every once in a while, but I at least know what to do, and I can try it, and I can fix it for a little while. And I tell you that to tell you this. It can be easy for us to look at, at this, the temptations of Jesus, and, and kind of treat it like, like Jesus is some YouTube guru showing us how to face temptations in our life. And to be sure, we can learn from this. We can learn from Jesus' example, but I want to let you know this. That's not the primary focus. The primary focus of this story is that Jesus is holding himself before you and revealing this to you. You will be tempted, and you're going to give in more than you want. You don't need an example. You need a Savior. And that is who he is. Because when we give in to all the temptations, to all of the, the ways that we get misguided away from God, you know who never did? Jesus. Never did. And he stayed the course, even though it was hard and painful, but he was faithful all the way to the very end, to the cross and the empty tomb. And now, through faith in him, he gives you his love. He gives you his faithfulness. He gives you his forgiveness. And so what that means is, rather than just saying, well, how can I learn from Jesus' example? What he gives to you is this. When you're at the bottom of your rope and you're faced with the reality that, man, I gave into the temptation again. I know I shouldn't have, but I did it again, and I did it again, and again. What he says to you is, come to me, and I will say these words to you again and again. You are forgiven. No matter how many times you give in, you come to him, and he says these words to you right now, in that moment. You are loved, and even though you strayed and you are weak, I am strong. I am faithful, 
and I was faithful for you, to forgive you, to do the thing you can't, to push off the the temptations of the enemy, I was strong enough, and I did it for you so that you could be forgiven, that you could be loved, that you could be in my family now and forever. He gives that to you right here, right now, and every single time you fall short, and you will fall short. But he meets you. See, that, that's what maturity in, Christian, in the Christian faith looks like. Maturity as a Christian isn't becoming a superhero in your faith overcoming all the obstacles by your own power. You know what maturity in the Christian faith looks like? I am more messed up than I thought I was yesterday. I'm learning new things about me, and I'm more of a mess than anybody can realize. I need Jesus. I need Jesus more today than I thought I did yesterday. That is maturity, is recognizing that we are weak, but he is strong, and we need him every single day. So two things to take with you. One, when you face temptations, when you walk out the door, or even before you walk out the door and you get tempted even when you're in this building, because just because we're in the church doesn't mean you aren't tempted, just so you know. When you face temptations, run to Jesus. I don't care if you think you're strong enough, if you got it under control, run to Jesus because we are weak and we need him. We need his strength, we need his spirit, we need his word, we need it to push away the lies and to to be faithful. So when you are tempted, run to Jesus. But secondly, when you give in to temptation, because we will, you will, I will. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus and, and admit it so that you hear these words. You are forgiven. All of it. Right now. He is faithful. May we run to him in all of our trials. Amen. Amen.